Logical Progression, Year Four, Chapter Fourteen, Lesson One. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alamin. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barakun ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma jaltahu sahla, wa anta tajlu al-hazna idha shaita sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Karim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good to see you guys, mashallah. Although attendances should get better now, now that we have how long a break, Bob's from the Champions League? Two months, yeah? So two months, yeah, and you know. You know, it's a good thing. We're football supporters first, yeah, Zafar. Manchester United second. It's okay, inshallah. It's going to help us win the title, isn't it? Style, the title of the most boring team on the planet. Anyway, um, so for the next couple of months, inshallah, we should have uh, uh, no uh, reasons for any uh, dropouts or any, yeah, any slacking. And um, I think the other competition that we go up against is the Apprentice, isn't it? Yeah, that's the other one that people use as an excuse. Oh, oh I can't come to the Apprentice. So I'm gonna. There's a couple of people. I'm gonna deal with them. Isn't the Apprentice finished, by the way? Next week, I'll see Bob's nose, you see. Bob's is following it. You shouldn't answer these questions, Bob's. <laughs> okay, so um, what we're doing, inshallah, this week, what we're starting um, is a, is a, subhanAllah, it's a, it's a big chapter. Um, and it's a chapter of the Adhan and the Iqama. And I kind of translated it as the chapter of the call to prayer and the establishment of the prayer. Frankly, there's no translation for iqama that's a mission that okay i mean is i mean you know adhan the call to prayer that's fine but the iqama which everyone knows okay um and if you don't know obviously it's the uh the uh the quicker shorter call which one does before one actually starts a prayer itself physically um i mean i don't know what to call that so this is a working translation and I haven't had time too much to think about the quality of the translation, which is why you, you can see on the notes section, only one paragraph translated. And so I wouldn't print this one out just yet, if you're into the printing kind of game. Okay, I, this will be review, uh, revised tonight, tomorrow, this weekend. I'm, 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 I'm home, so I'm going to do that. And, um, I, you know, before next week. So the final version of this entire chapter, the basic the translation for the entire Arabic, It'll be ready, inshallah, for next Wednesday or coming Wednesday. Okay, so keep that in mind. I wouldn't just I wouldn't just write it out just yet. Um, so let me tell you something interesting. Um, when it comes to the adhan and the iqamah, there is actually a wisdom behind its order. You might be thinking, you know, we start off start off with the prayer. We got all excited for the prayer, and then boom, yeah, now no way iqamah and uh, adhan has come and ruined the flow. Um, well, actually, when you see the fuqaha, the jurists, how they set up this chapter, how they set up the book of prayer, yani, nearly all of them follow this kind of method. Um, the first thing is to actually define what the prayer is and who, what the ruling of the prayer is, is something that should be done, must be done, how important it is, i.e. what happens if you don't pray it, and who is it obligatory upon. I mean, that's got to be an introduction. That's got to be the basic introduction. Who is it actually aimed at and what's its actual ruling? So once that's done... And that's got out of the way, and that's obviously the most important thing that a person needs to know. Then we start everything for the actual prayer itself. And obviously, before the actual prayer itself, 
we need to know what needs to come before it. All of the preconditions. And so from the pre so you'll see that the, from the obvious precondition is to actually be able to pray in its right time. And so we need to know when that right time is, and that of course then is the chapter of the Adhan, the actual call for the time of it itself. So it's actually, it is exactly a logical progression. You will see that we will do the prayer, the, the Adhan itself, establish the time, and then you will see that the next conditions are the conditions for the prayer. So clothes and location and place and purification and so on and so forth. So the actual prayer itself is a good while away. Okay, because we need to get everything ready before the prayer. And that's very important. Again, patience and thoroughness in this rational kind of order, this logical progression, is how fiqh is studied best and fiqh is studied well. Okay, um, let's read out the, um, the actual relevant uh, text. Um, so from the Arabic first. Um, and again, we'll just stick to the opening uh, information for what... For what there is a translation for باب الأذان والإقامة هما فرضا كفاية كفاية على الرجال المقيمين للصلوات الخمس المكتوبة يقاتل أهل بلد تركوهما وتحرم أجرتهما لا رزق من بيت المال لعدم متطوع that's, that's what we will read because that is all that is translated next week we will do that Entire text. Okay? Which one? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to that. Okay? Uh, and then, so the translation in the English the chapter of the call to prayer and the establishment of the prayer. As I said, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, anything off the bat for the for Iqama? Any offers? The standing of the prayer, initiation of the prayer. I've seen a commencement of the prayer. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything has a wajh, as we say. Everything has a point, but nothing's really hitting it. Anyway, so the translation of the opening paragraph is they, and that's of course referring to the adhan and the iqama, because huma is the dual pronoun, right? So they both, okay? So the adhan and iqama are both communal obligations for males. Who are classed as residents for the obligatory prayers. So there's two conditions there, okay? Males and they have to be resident. The people of a land who abandoned the two, Adhan Iqama, are to be fought. It is not permissible to take a wage for either, Adhan or Iqama. But it is allowed to receive a sum from the treasury if no volunteers can be found. So that's the opening paragraph. A lot of really uh, 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 interesting uh, uh, content there, okay, as well as some controversial stuff as well. Some, yani, uh, some you know, good bath material, good research quality material, especially at the end, and to do with payment and religion and this and that, which I think we'll, we'll find really useful. Um, so let's start from the top. Um, you know the uh, uh, discussion concerning. Uh, Communal obligations. Fard kifaya, fard ain. Have we discussed that in this class? Have we discussed that in this class? Yeah. Yes? Yeah, my fear that you're saying that is that you're thinking of Fiqh Islam in March. 
Definitely. Yeah. When I said where the word kifaya comes from, you know the, exactly what I say in fiqh salah, the detailed explanation between what the the uh, what is sufficient and where Allah subhanahu wa taala doesn't look to the uh, action, uh, doesn't look to the to the people, but He looks at the action itself when it's for kifaya and when it's a for al-ain. Yani like the word I, when you look at someone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking to every single individual and not to the action itself. You see the difference between the two? I'm sure I did it in this class. Mm-hmm. Yes? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to positive. Zafar? I don't remember it from Fiqh or Salah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, 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 I'll do a quick review on it. No problem, Mishal. No problem. Okay? So, um, Sheikh Al-Tamin starts off then on page 40. Okay? Page 40 of the text. He says, so let's look at the word Adhan. And the word Adhan... It comes from the Arabic um, uh, wazan. You know what wazan is the weight of a word, okay? So you know that in Arabic language, you have different forms of verb structure which actually change the meaning of the actual verbs. So adhan um, uh, comes from adhana, which is fa'ala, okay? In the, for those who are studying Arabic. Adhana, yu'adhinu adhanan, okay? So that's one of the uh, uh, interesting forms, okay? And I, as I said, it comes very similar to the Arabic wadda'a, wada'an, or sallama, salaman, or kallama, kalaman. Okay, so adhana, adhanan. And the Arabic word itself, in, in, in its meaning is i'lam. I'lam means to announce something, to inform, okay? To announce and to inform. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, فَأَذَنُوا بِحَرْبٍ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ So take announcement of war from Allah and His Messenger. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَذَانُوا مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى النَّاسِ يَوْلْحَجِ الْأَكْبَرِ In Surah At-Tawbah. Of course, the opening of At-Tawbah is a very serious declaration. It is a proclamation, a declaration. It's a public announcement. And it's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically said that the Messenger... Allah and His Messenger are now free from any contractual kind of treaties or anything like that. War is war now. That's it. We're in. So it's an announcement. So the translation of the verse. So wa A public announcement from Allah and His Messenger to the people on the day of the great pilgrimage, the great Hajj. Surah Tawbah, verse three. So that is its linguistic meaning to announce something. Now. Um, and we discussed before that when you study fiqh, you have to give a linguistic meaning and then you give a technical meaning. And there's a basic principle. In, in, in general, the technical meaning, the sharia meaning, is normally more specific than the linguistic meaning. That's a general rule. And that, you can remember that next time. Um, and it has... Uh, you know why it's useful to know that? It's useful to know that when you're trying to explain things to people who want to cause trouble. Okay. Um, you know, obviously in the kind of climate that we're living in, classic words like jihad and whatever, whatnot, okay? Um, there's always a lot of discussion about, you know, what does jihad mean and what's it linguistically mean and what's it technically mean, etc. So if someone's ever in that kind of situation, you know, and they can say, you know, someone who's just giving them a headache and normally a person when they're, uh, or, or an interviewer or someone in news or someone who's making shimshirati yani, you know, some kind of, problem okay some troublemaker normally they just say that statement just to cause a reaction okay uh, normally to take an in, take a discussion off the kelter uh, you know not, you, you know it wouldn't have gone to talk about jihad or whatever but they want to throw it at you to see you know if they can freak you out to create some kind of controversy etc et you know you know what they do cause trouble 
So normally the person who does that, I give advice to people who are doing media training and anyone now talking about these things, is that 99%, and that's my genuine belief, 99% of the people who ask such a question have no intention to try to understand the actual question or the answer itself. Okay? That's my genuine belief. And so therefore, instead of reacting, you should put the, put the burden back upon them and ask them, what do you understand about phrases and terms? What do you understand about definitions? What definition would you like me to give you? Do you know that in our religion, we have a linguistic definition, a technical definition, an Islamic definition? What is it that you'd like to... And you know what? That's not what they wanted to hear. Okay? They didn't want that to go into technical academic analysis. They wanted a soundbite. Alright? And that's it. It's not off your shoulders. They'll probably say, okay, forget that, and we want something else. Right? That's what they will do. If they then say, yes, we know we do want to talk about, you know, yes, give us the, the technical meaning, then you say, well, I'll give you a technical meaning, but you need to understand that technical meaning is more specific than linguistic meaning according to the, the scholars of the, of the language. The linguistic meaning is this, and so the, bore, bore them to death. Freak them out. Make them regret ever that they ever called you and asked you any, whatever, okay? So that's a basic principle. So in the Sharia, what does Adhan actually mean? Um... Uh, Sheikh Uthameen, he says it right at the beginning. شرعاً, it says, To be translated as, it is an act of worship for Allah. It is an act of worship for Allah with a specific dhikr. With a specific dhikr. After the entering of the time for a prayer. After the entering of the time for a prayer, informing of it thereby, informing of it thereby. I repeat, it is an act of worship for Allah with a specific dhikr after the entering of the time for a prayer, informing of it thereby. That's a very specific translation, uh, a very specific definition, sorry. Again, it is an act of worship for Allah with a specific dhikr after the entering of the time for a prayer, informing of it thereby. Informing of what thereby? What's it referred to? What do you think? The prayer itself? The time itself, okay? Informing of it, the time itself. Not the prayer, okay? Informing of the, ti- the, 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 the time itself. And the reason that we have to be specific is one, because as you've seen, it's an act of worship. We've got to be very careful. But number two, if you look at some definitions for the adhan, they just say that it's the announcement of the prayer time. Okay? Well, uh, sorry, it's the... Uh, uh, okay? So, for example, they might say... That it is the it is announcement for the beginning of the prayer time. That's how I guess how people understand it. Technically, when people make the adhan in a masajid, you understand that there's someone there. As soon as the time comes in, they make the adhan, and that therefore kind of activates the prayer time, right? So that people can then suddenly pray. That's like the mentality that people understand. But that's not actually accurate. For example, what if the prayer is being delayed for some reason? So, for example, if we accept, and we'll come to this in its right time, if we accept the concept of um, as Sheikh Uthameen says, Al-Ibrad. Al-Ibrad, right? Ibrad is a concept where, you know, in the Arab countries where it's very, very hot at, at uh, Dhuhr time, okay? I mean, it can be 50 degrees, 55 degrees, 45 at norm, 
okay, in the summertime, it's really murder to actually step outside to go to the masjid for Dhuhr time. And Nabi Sallallahu of course, he spoke about this. And um, this concept of Ibrad is when you delay that prayer, that Dhuhr prayer, until the sun actually starts to set quite significantly. And remember, when, when we're talking about the sun setting, don't get confused. I don't mean Maghrib sunset, okay? I mean the sun going past the meridian and the afternoon starting. I.e. the definition of afternoon. You see, noon, theoretically, is meant to mean the, the midpoint of the, of the day. Mid-day, uh, okay? Noon. But uh, uh, according to, uh, from a, from a uh, scientific point of view, when the sun rises, and it rises, and obviously we'll be covering this in detail, but I'm just explaining now. When the sun rises, 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 and it gets to its highest point, okay, it basically stays there for a little while, okay, for a few minutes. You know, like that, you know, I give the example of the, the, the you know, the ship, the, the, the fairground ship ride, you know, that one. So it goes like that, it starts off nice and slow, and then it goes like that. And then it suddenly goes right up to the thing here, and it goes, goes like that, and it holds, holds, holds. Then it drops, yes? So that dropping is called sunset. Okay, the setting of the sun. Because it starts to drop. Drop towards the west. And it will then take the whole rest of the afternoon for it to drop completely. And then when it actually hits the horizon, that's the technical sunset. Okay? So the whole setting of the sun starts as soon as it goes past the meridian. The very, very high point, zenith point, which is at its very highest point. And that, of course, is a, a prohibited time to pray. It's one of the prohibited times of prayer. It's what we call, you know, what you see on the time as zawal, okay? And zawal is basically a phrase which is indicating that the sun has basically finished being stationary and has now started to move again. So when it starts to move again, the prayer now is dhuhr time enters, okay? Dhuhr time enters, and now we can start praying dhuhr because it's now starting to move. Now, from a heat point of view, when the sun is at its most high, it is at its most hot, and when it's at its most hot, it is also at its most white. All right? And we, I mean, I'm speaking semi-scientific and semi-kind of populist or whatever, public or whatever the, the opposite of scientific is, um, to just kind of allow you to kind of connect. If we see something which is red uh, or orange, hot, we consider it to be hot. But we know if something's white hot, then it's super hot. Yes? That's popular understanding. Would you agree? Yep. And so you can actually apply that to the sun as well. When it's like that so super white, you can't even look at it, it is burning. And you look at the temperature gauge, you'll see. And then what will happen, of course, is that the sun will start to come down. And what will happen is that when the sun starts to come down, the temperature will start to reduce. And as the temperature starts to reduce, also the color of the sun will start to change. And the reason for that is because when the sun is coming down, then the angle that it makes with the earth and the twilight and the... Uh, the, astronomic, the, the uh, astronomical dust, the kind of the various particles that you see in the environment, because the sun starts to kind of go, uh, starts to now go down, it creates now a more acute angle. The refraction, as it hits all these different particles, etc., 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 colors the actual sun. Yeah, and it gives it its hue. And so you start to then see it start to take a yellowish shape. A yellow, yellowish color. So it starts to get yellower, 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 yellower. And then when it comes to Asr time, you've got now a nice looking yellow sun and then it starts to come further down like a late asr and you can look straight at the sun because all the brightness is gone and it's a perfect nice yellow orange ball and then it will come down as you know then it will start to get red etc etc and then it'll start to get dark the lack of twilight of course is is the lack of light now we will cover that with diagrams and everything in this right the right place 
But the reason I mentioned that is because I have absolutely no idea. Ibrad. Ibrad. So Ibrad is a real, actual, physical phenomenon. When the Dhuhr time starts, we know, uh, you'll see it's Sunnah to pray as soon as possible. So theoretically, if one o'clock was that time, that sun is super hot, super bright. The Prophet ﷺ, he described this heat as min fayhi jahannam, from the bursting flames of jahannam in the hadith, in Bukhari. And so there is some kind of indication that one should avoid it, okay? If it's going to cause problems, etc. And so avoiding it would be like delaying another hour, for example, on a good day. Delaying it by another hour, still well before the Asr deadline, but delaying it enough to cut that yani very super heat off. Now, if that happens, then the Mu'addin will not give the Adhan. The Ma'adhin will give the Adhan after an hour. If he gives the Adhan after an hour, did he indicate the beginning of the prayer time? No. He indicated the beginning of the... He indicated the prayer time. He didn't indicate the beginning. And that's why we have to be... That's just one example why you have to be super specific when you're giving a legal definition to not say something which then contradicts yani, a reality later on. So that's why we don't say the beginning of the prayer time is indicated. The prayer time is indicated by this act. Okay, yeah. Can you still pray when I'm before your house? You can, you can pray, all right? The technical, uh, uh, yani, if there's a, a person who, who is at home, for example, or maybe whoever, uh, and the prayer time has, has physically entered, it is allowed to pray. The question we need to ask, though, is that that person, will that individual need to make an adhan or not? And that's what we're going to answer, inshallah, later, okay? So that's the uh, first point. Um, What's the actual ruling of the adhan? Is it something which has to be done or not? Well, in principle, the adhan is an obligatory act. Okay? In principle, it's an obligatory act. We need to work out what kind of obligation, but it is obligatory. How can we tell? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indicates that in the Quran, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 58, where he says, وَإِذَا نَادَيْتُ مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ اتَّخَذُوهَا هُزُوًا وَلَعِبًا Okay? اتَّخَذُوهَا when you make the call to prayer, they ridicule it and make fun of it. And this is like a general statement. So, O oh you, O oh Messenger, when you make the call to prayer, they ridicule it and make fun of it. So, it's something which the Prophet does and he's been told to do. And he's been told that the non-Muslims or the aggressors, they don't like it and they ridicule it. And then, the, the, but this is a general statement. It's not, it doesn't have a specific evidence. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Al-Jum'ah, which we mentioned before, The specific evidence is that when the prayer, when you, are pray, when you are called to the prayer on the day of Friday, then rush to the dhikr of Allah. And so this clearly is a set thing that will happen every Friday. That setness, that, that establishment, indicates that it is a obligation okay it is an obligation um what's the iqama the iqama um linguistically is when you establish something aqama means to take something which has fallen down and make it stand up okay so you stand something up you you set something up you establish something but in the Sharia, it is التعبد لله بذكر مخصوص عند القيام للصلاة. It is التعبد لله بذكر مخصوص عند القيام للصلاة. So it will be translated as 
it is an action, it is an act of worship for Allah with a specific dhikr. It is an act of worship for Allah with a specific dhikr at the establishment of the prayer. At the establishment of the prayer or at the start of the prayer. In the Qiyam Literally, you could translate that when 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 one stands or when the standing is done for the prayer, when when one stands for the prayer. But it's basically the establishment of the prayer. Okay? So the, the obvious difference between the Adhan and the Iqama is that the Adhan is to inform for the prayer so people can get ready for it. It's to inform people about the prayer so they can get ready for it. Okay? Um, whereas the Iqama is to inform people to enter the prayer, actually to start the prayer. So one is obviously specific, now the one is, uh, is uh, general. Question. Um, the Adhan and the Iqama. That hadith, by the way, I, I, uh, of Ibrad, i just seen here in my, in my notes. I didn't realize I had it in my notes. Uh, Nabi Sallallahu uh, was on a journey and the Mu'addin wanted to make the Adhan for Dhuhr. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, then it become cooler. And so he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, again, and the person said, oh, I'm going to make the Adhan. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, let it become cooler until we see the shadows of the hills. Until we see the shadows of the hills. And of course, if you think about it, yeah, you know what that means, yes? If the sun is high, then the shadow is none. When the sun starts to fall, then it creates the angle, which is going to create a longer shadow. And the hills are big. And so to see a bigger shadow means quite a drop, okay? Quite a drop. Uh, and the Prophet ﷺ then said, the severity of heat is from the raging of the hellfire. And in very hot weather, pray Zuhar when it becomes cooler. And in very hot weather, pray Zuhar when it becomes cooler. That's hadith in Bukhari. And that is why um, it is something which, you know, is is uh, 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 is established. We'll come to that in this time. Is this a legal act that people can do? Delay the Dhuhr prayer on purpose. Okay? Um, so that's the Adhan and the Iqam. A question for you, which Sheikh Uthaymeen asks, what's better? What's actually better as a person, as a Muslim? To give the Adhan to give the iqama or to lead the prayer. If a person is going to kind of choose between between them, you think the adhan? What's better? What's easier? <laughs> what's better? What's more rewarded, Yani? What's more rewarded? Is it the adhan because you are informing more people to to know the prayers entered, meaning live in prayer? So you say you're saying it's the adhan because you are informing more people um, of the actual need to pray, huh? Yeah, I guess that could be an argument. What about Yani in this time when no one hears the muaddin at all? And as you said, you got apps and whatever. Yes, of the nasr. I think uh, salah itself because uh, you're leading. Uh, many individuals and obviously the responsibility comes with Imam as well. I feel if there's a mistake for, of, of every single individual of Muqtali Ma'mun uh, on the Imam. But at the same time, he will get reward as well if he's 
So the Imam is obviously a high position because he kind of soaks up the mistakes of the uh, of the Musallis who are praying behind him, and he's, he's got like a powerful position when he when you pray in Jamaa behind the Imam. That's technically correct, of course. If you make a mistake when following an Imam, let's say you forget to say something or you forget a wajib or a rukan, then yes, the Imam does swallow it up as such, soaks up the mistakes. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Okay. I think it depends on the country. Right? For example, if you're in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> because people can hear it. Yeah, okay, so that's another interesting one. Some fiqh there, yani. Depends upon the, what country you're in. Yani, if the people are going to actually hear it or, or not. That's like a modern fiqh answer. I like that. Can, can, can we look at how you um, choose the person for the salah and you choose the person for the... That's a good answer, isn't it? Yani, can, we, can, we, can we look at how people are chosen for each role? And so how we choose the one who leads the prayer and how we choose the one who leads the adhan. So your point is going to be? Is the adhan is the person with the strongest voice. Uh-huh. And the uh, salah is the person who is the most knowledgeable. Interesting, yeah? So we know, as we're going to see in, the, in this chapter, that the one that is chosen for the adhan has specific characteristics from them, the one who has the strongest voice, okay? We'll be talking about how the adhan came about. It's interesting that Abdullah bin Zayd is the one who had the dream, we'll talk about that. And uh, Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab had the dream, two big players, yani, okay, two big players. And the Prophet said, give it to, uh, to Bilal. Yani, go and tell this to Bilal, he's the one who has got the, the knockout voice. So that's a good point. And then you've got the fact that uh, on the converse, when it comes to the prayer, then the Prophet said that, that the best of you... Uh, uh, lead the prayer by specifying that it's the most knowledgeable or akra'akum, meaning the one who is most versed, who has most qira'ah. There's a big discussion about what does that mean, akra'ah. Yani akra'ah is a superlative from qira'ah. Okay? Qira'ah means to recite the Quran. Yes? Okay. So akra'ah means the most the most reciting or whatever. It depends upon how you translate the qira'ah. Some people said it means most beautiful, one who's got the most nicest qira'ah. I'd never translate it like that. In my opinion, aqra'ah uh, means most versed. Okay, most versed. I believe that there has to be a level of scholarliness involved in that there needs to be hifz of it, understanding of it, the rulings of the tajweed of it, and uh, so on. You know, subhanAllah, this is a big art, you know, reciting um, Qur'an. And this is what Sheikh says. He goes... In his opinion, Sheikh Uthameen's position, um, uh, Sheikh Uthameen's position, let me read to you actually some of my personal notes before I tell you what Sheikh Uthameen said. Um, uh, the Hanafis, they said that the Iqamah, sorry, Iqamah, the Hanafis said that the Imamah, okay, the Shafi'is and the Hanabila, they said that the Adhan is better. They said that the Adhan is better. And some of the evidences that they, uh, that they give is because of some narrations of the Salaf. Right? And so, for example, we have one narration from Abdullah bin Mas'ud. He said that if I had been the Mu'addin, if I had been the Mu'addin, I wouldn't care about doing Hajj or going Umrah or going on Jihad. Okay? If I had been the Mu'addin, I wouldn't care about the Hajj or the Umrah or the Jihad. Trying to show that once you're in that position, 
you've, you've clocked it and you're in the best position. Sayyidina Omar also has an interesting statement. He said, if it wasn't for the Khilafah, I would be a Mu'addin. A Mu'addin is the one who gives the Adhan, okay? I would be a Mu'addin. And um, some ulama said that this is, and the truth, and this is not very strong, but see, if you think about it, uh, the Hanbalis, this is where they are. And this is why Sheikh Uthameen, by the way, he, cha- he, t- he chooses the position that the Adhan is better. To give the Adhan is better than to give the, uh, to lead the prayer. And one of the evidences that they say is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Fussilat, verse 33. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And who is better, who speaks better than someone who calls people to Allah? Who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah? Now, obviously, if you translate it in this way and, and put the meaning of it that this is the call to Allah, is the call to the prayer, then maybe. But the majority of the, the scholars of Tafsir call this the, 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 the ayah of da'wah, the one who calls to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who gives da'wah to the deen of Allah. It's possible that it's very general and it refers to both. But then my argument would be then if it, it refers to both, then the imam is also the one who's calling to Allah as well by you know establishing the prayer and establishing the deen and teaching the people what they need to know and so on and so forth. Sheikh Uthameen goes, what if a person said, um, like exactly what Shazad said, he said that what uh, the, that the imama, the imama is something which, uh, the imama meaning the imamate, yes, the leading of the prayer. The leading of the prayer is connected to very specific sharia characteristics. For example, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, The one who should lead the people is the one who is most versed in the book of Allah. Okay, this hadith narrated by a Muslim, as I said. Okay, And uh, it's well known that Al-Aqra is what is best, the one who's most versed, that is best. So, is it not yani, that you can see from here that, you know, uh, it's clear? Shaykh Uthameen now goes on a long answer, right? Because that's, that's a, it's a difficult one to get out of, frankly. He goes, uh, He goes, I don't want to say that it's not better to be an imam. Okay? I don't want to say that. Because actually, of course, the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the continuation of the imam and the imamate, whatever, is something which is full of, 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 of ajar. Okay? full of ajar and well known in the sharia that the imam goes to the top man and he continues to only go to the top man and he continues only going to the top man and so on and so forth. What we're trying to say, Sheikh says, is that the adhan is better than the imama because of what it has in it. Because it's calling, a, it's a because it's a dhikr and you're announcing that dhikr very loudly to all the people and making them aware of it and that you are to the masses allowing them to establish the prayer and in fact, you do, I like this little play, he goes, you basically become an, an imam for all the people who hear you. So you are like a pseudo-imam, because once you've made the adhan, all the people will hear you and follow that. Yani, and uh, he, linguistically, he's using the word imam, because the word imam is the one who's in front, imam, yes? The one who's imam, yani, in front of you, the imam is one who is leading you. And so you are leading the people when you call them to prayer because they follow it and they repeat after the adhan as you know. Then they will make the dua after it and then they themselves will pray or they will come to the masjid and pray. So he kind of gets around it to, in that way. Um, he goes, for example, people will either, either 
they will start to pray once they hear him or they'll stop eating if they are fasting or they'll start eating if they were fasting depending so this guy he really you know he does uh, he does a lot of things um and also now 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 you know now the common sense kind of side comes out uh uh it's no doubt that which one's more difficult and that's of course the muazzin that's a mission job yani okay that's thankless cold job all right Yani Mu'addin is Kushti number, where you walk in right at Yani on the second you need to pray. Masjid has already been warmed up half an hour before. All the boilers have been turned on, the heat has been turned on, radio has everything done. Miskeen is a guy who comes in a pitch black, yeah, before the salahs have been established. When he wakes up in the morning, there's no way to go back. He's all the stuff's on his shoulders. Imam Yani, you know what that guy's saying. He goes, ah, it doesn't matter, someone else will lead, yeah? Right? If he doesn't come, he doesn't make it. Someone else will yani, step in. Who's going to step in for the for the muaddin, the one who opens the masjid? He's going to get killed if he doesn't open the masjid. So, so actually, when you see from a time point of view, time spent point of view, the man of mashakka, there's no doubt that the muaddin is the MVP. Yani that's he is the most valuable person on the on the uh, you know in the game, um, and uh, he goes and in fact you can actually see. He says that if you look at what the Prophet ﷺ, he never ever gave the adhan. And neither did the Khulafa al-Rashidin. Okay? They never did it. And the simple reason is because of the time involved. He goes, if they were to, if they were going to become people who did the adhan, they would never get time to do what's more important. And they had to prioritize. So they had to, you know, they were running country. They were running the, 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 the state. Okay? And, and the Mu'addin, by the way, and he also mentions this here, is that uh, you're, 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 don't forget... I'm explaining it in today's modern uh, context, right? That the adhan is something which is you look at your watch and you just get yourself there in time. Whereas the classical muazzin, there is no such thing as a time. Yes? So for example, Fajr, you think about that. He doesn't have an alarm clock. Yes? And there's not a certain amount of light. Yes? So when he wakes up, no street lights or anything. So if my man wakes up in the morning, it's not like he can look at his watch and say it's 2 o'clock, I've got another couple of hours until 4 is darkness, right? And so he has to now make a call from his observation of outside. Am I close? Am I not close? Whatever. Do I go on the safe side, not safe side? He can't risk going back to sleep, my man. He's going to have to go in. He's going to have to go to the, to the masjid. And you know that the sunnah was to get on top of the masjid, okay? To get by the ladder on top of the masjid because there's no minarets in, in those days. And you would have a good look at the horizon and make a call. And if you study, and we, we, we will, if you look at the, the, the different hadith of Bilal and Abdullah ibn Maktoum, the blind companion, okay, those two adhans you see for Salatul Fajr, two companions making two separate adhans, then you're going to see that actually there's a team who are involved. When it comes to Abdullah ibn Maktoum, there was a team telling him, yep, yeah, well, I think we're in, we're in. He goes, are you sure, are you sure? No, no, we're definitely in. We're definitely, are you sure, are you sure? We're definitely in. Do it, khalas. And so Abdullah ibn Maktoum, he would give the adhan, and that would be quite a light, meaning that it's actually well started. That's one of the evidences that I uh, put forward when it comes to you know the mistake that many people make in Ramadan in this country in the summer and in the, in the high northern latitude countries of, of breaking their fa- of starting their uh, prayer to early Salatul Fajr. Yani, you know, uh, 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 actually, if you look at the Sunnah, you will see that when it comes to Fajr. The establishment of Fajr is a very certain time. There must be absolute certainty. It's not like some kind of you know doubtful thing where one person thinks they swore it, other person didn't think they see it. No, everyone's on board. It's definitely in. It's definitely something when you look at it straight away, there's no doubt. Okay? So anyway, 
The point is, is that the, the, the giving them adhan that time is not easy. Same for asr, for example. They were, they, were, they were measuring the asr by the length of shadows and so on. So you have to observe that. Yani, to give the adhan is a full-time job. I mean, proper, proper full-time. So keep that um, in mind. The, 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 the reciting of the Qur'an, of course, is something which is, um, something which is very uh, uh, specific. Okay, the one who is most versed in the Book of Allah. I saw something this morning. Very nice video, subhanAllah. It was Sheikh Muhammad Hassan, Adadu uh, Al-Shanqiti, Hafidahullah Ta'ala Wa And uh, he was answering the question uh, on, on Qur'an, on Qira'ah. About yani, who are the daddies? Yani, what's the what's the yani the top level? Okay, and he said, when it comes to qira'a, when it comes to ahkam, meaning the so just to show you, when I say aqra, most versed, there are so many possibilities of what we actually are talking about. Because are we talking about the most greatest scholar in tafsir? Are we talking about the one who is most knowledgeable about the rulings of the prayer? That is a faqih. Are we talking about the one who's got most beautiful voice? That's like a, that's, you know, and everyone's got so many different, you know, uh, palettes. Palettes? Can you have a palette for the ear? Is that possible? Palettes for taste. I know you pack. <laughs> I said that. Can you have a palette for the ear? What's for the ear? What do you have for the ear, Bobs? Taste, preferences. Preferences, yeah, that's a boring one. Where's the, where's the PR in the language? Palette's nice. Palace nice, yeah? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think people understood. I'm an artist. I'm painting. I'm using my palette to use a palette. You see that? Allah. So, I don't know what you have for the ear, but you know people are very, very, you know, very sensitive. Like, you know, I told you guys before, there are certain, uh, uh, a certain qurra that listening to them is like, yani, is like smashing my head on the, on the wall. And literally, I just want to die. Okay. They hurt me so much, the recitation of the Qur'an. And subhanAllah, you know, I don't want to name them because then it goes into ghiba. I don't know, I don't, it's not going to ghiba because I don't like the way he recites. It's not right. But other people really like it. So that's not, that's not nice, okay? So it's difficult to find someone who's neutral. People don't get too uh, upset about. You know, everyone's roughly happy with. I think Sa'ad al-Ghamadi people are happy with, yes? Yeah, no one really dislikes Sa'ad al-Ghamadi. I think Sudais is polarizing. I personally really like Sudais. Yeah? Is he polarizing? Huh? I think I think I think he's on the edge of polarization because some people would say he's too musical, too kind of singy songy. Yeah, that's what happens. That's that's where you get the people kind of uh, whatever. So what I'm saying is that people could listen to Sudes and and uh, and uh, Saad al Ghamidi and they say that's the most beautiful. Then what about the one who is Akra? Yani is Akra him meaning the one who understands the ahkam properly? If that's the person, then the leader of all Qurra is Al Husari. And Sheikh Dido, he said that today with his own, I heard with my own ears, he said he is the Imam of Qira'a. And when I said that he's, when, when the question I said to him, what about Al-Mishawi, who's my personal favorite, okay? What about Mishawi and Abdul Basit? He said, yeah, yeah, they're all right. Yeah, in Hafs only. <laughs> I was like, rah, my man's hardcore, bro. Yeah? So he goes, no, Al-Husari, that's the one. His, yani, perfection of Ahkam al-Tajweed, Ahkam al-Makharij, Yani the, the niceness of the Qur'an, the actual pronunciation of the Qur'an, makharij, uh, understanding the characteristics of each letter and the sounds, the sifat of each letter, and so on and so forth. Husari is the one to learn from. Remember that, I tell everyone in Protector's House when you're teaching children that the template has to be based upon Husari. 
what if aqra means um uh what if aqra means the one who is most knowledgeable about the recitations okay if it's the most recitations and the variations in the recitations well you know my favorite reciter on the planet you know is sheikh abdur rashid sufi he's the king amongst men and when i did do said sheikh abdur rashid sufi i stood up and i just gave him a salute i said wallahi you are a man and i gave him a round of applause and i sat down and i felt very happy okay he said sheikh abdur rashid sufi is the king amongst men he said this yani qari he goes his itqan in the qira'at and in the ahkam al-tajweed and he didn't even mention yani how nice he recites actually but subhanallah you know so there's a big discussion but i mean you're talking massive massive uh, uh, it is important to be to be you know accurate okay um so that's the adhan and niqam that's what they both mean and he said that they are both a communal obligation okay a, a communal obligation fardun kifaya fard means qata okay al qata meaning to cut something yani it is very it is uh, very uh, uh, straightforward and, and, and bang. But in the Sharia, it's meaning, ma bihi ala al-ilzam. Okay? It is something which is commanded to. Which is commanded. Something which is commanded. Obligated. Okay? Something which is obligated without any other option. Okay? Ala sabil al-ilzam. One is, is, is uh, one must do it. Okay, I don't know what that actually leads to in an English definition, but obligated, I think, says that. When you say you are obligated to do it, it means that there is no second option. No, no other choice. Okay, it is obligated to do. The question then is asked, is that mean that it's more, it's more obligated or is it stronger than the word wajib? Okay, is the word far stronger than the word wajib? And the answer is... Know that they are the same meaning. And I, we discussed this in detail, and I even remember the lesson that we discussed it, okay? It was the first lesson of wudu, okay? It was the first lesson of wudu, because I was in Ilm Summit in London. And go back and revise that lesson, I think year two, okay? And um, uh, I discussed that in detail, that only the Hanafi school has a concept of a wajib when it comes to obligations. So instead of going from sunnah up to obligatory, they have this in-between position called wajib, and that wajib actually has a legal ramification, which is slightly less than a farb. And I told you by that a very, it's a very impressive one, and a very interesting one, because it's based upon evidences. I don't want to go into that, you can go and review that lesson. But in the correct position, what it should be, and this is the position of the mass majority of scholars, the word wajib and farb are the same in Islamic technical meaning, just like they are linguistically. They both mean obligatory okay so why are these obligatory why are these two obligatory well and nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanded for others to do these two in a number of a hadith commanded each time and that was whether the people were traveling or whether they were at home yani in their local communities or whether they were traveling that's yani at home and whilst they were on uh, uh, journeys and that is because, and that's interesting, what he says here, he goes, because it's not possible to know the time except by it. Interestingly, of course, we don't need to hear the adhan at all nowadays. We know exactly when the time for the prayer is without the adhan. So that's an interesting point, because he gives it as a... The question is this, did he give it as an illa, or did he give it as a wisdom? Meaning that if someone says 
that it is obligatory because what we said before, illa is the Sharia reason, the wisdom of the 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 the, 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 the reason of Allah. And we always said before in our fiqh that the most difficult thing that a scholar can ever do is to determine what the Sharia reason behind something is, what the illa is. Alright? This is very important actually, more important than we can maybe imagine. Um, you remember that, don't you? Yeah? The word illa means what Allah has reason behind it. What's his reason for obligating this action or wanting this thing? Whereas hikam are benefits, yeah? Hikam are wisdoms, right? Behind the, the, the uh, action. And we've discussed this in detail concerning alcohol or the eating of pig or the prohibition of the pig, okay, and so on. Is it because of this? Is it, why is alcohol prohibited? Is it because it's expensive? Is it because it stinks? Is it because it looks like urine? Is it, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we discussed that. We said these are all yani, supplementary reasons. The real reason is because it intoxicates, right? So we can say that the illa is intoxication. And why is it so important to know the illa? Because once you know the illa, then you can do... Then you can do what? If you know... Sorry? Correct. If you know the illa, if you know the sharia reason behind something, then you are now able to start making qiyas. You can now start making analogy. And therefore, you can then find another thing and make it haram likewise. So, you know, for drugs, as we said before in this class, there's no hadith which prohibit drug taking. Okay? However, because we know that the illa for the prohibition of alcohol is intoxication and and unawareness and stupidity as a result of your unawareness etc 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 then we know that we can also then say that drug taking is haram likewise etc so to find the illa is important what is the illa here for the obligation behind the adhan allahu a'lam a brave person to try and determine that if a person is going to say that the obligation behind the adhan is so that you know the time well it can be argued now that we you know the majority of people don't even hear an adhan frankly and they pray just, you know, by knowing that, that the prayer times are prayer times. Everyone is now kind of generally knowledgeable how that happens. And they use their watches. So I'm certainly not going to put my uh, hat in that ring and say that the illa is to, to know the time. I'm going to probably say that it is something which is an act of pure act of worship for the sake of Allah. There are many reasons that you can give. Because it is something which establishes the, the superiority of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes? I think that is at its prime core. Because when you go to a land where the adhan is being given, then it denotes that it's an Islamic land. When you see, for example, next week when we come to this chapter, when we come to the part about how people are, people are, are, um, are fought if they are not giving the adhan, one of the reasons for that is because it's understood to be enemy territory. Because the understanding by extension, and there are a number of hadith that we're going to quote, there's, there's, there's an understanding that when the adhan is given, then it's, a, it's one of ours. But when the adhan is not being given, then this is enemy camp, enemy territory, enemy barracks, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And in a time of war, it's very important. It's, it's one of the indicators, yani, whether there is a peaceful approach to this, or whether one sends a messenger, or one's, whether one's cautious, etc. So the adhan is very much part and parcel of indicating the legal status of a land. And... Um, also, also, if you think about it, right? It's like, you know, what's the what's the function of flying a flag after one wins a battle? I mean, what is the what is the function? I don't know. It just shows that this is now the authority, right? Okay, and and that's it. And it means absolutely nothing, frankly, if if in a war, 
you win the war by bringing their flag down and putting your flag up, right? But it just indicates to the people it's been a change of authority. And so the, the statement of the Adhan is similar in that it shows the authority of Allah in that region, okay? And we have many hadith that which also talk about the excellence of the Adhan and what happens that when the Adhan is given and how the Prophet ﷺ recommended the one who's even alone especially the one who's a shepherd, who is out there in the wild, to give the adhan. So this is a sunnah, actually, for people who are alone, to give the adhan when they're out and about, because the animals and the jinn, and even the inanimate objects, will bear witness that he said that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know that the Prophet ﷺ has basically stated that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect all of these things. Even the objects will be able to make a statement. And the animals certainly will be. And they will say that we bear witness that this person declared your uh, oneness and that the Messenger of Allah was, your, uh, was his messenger, etc., etc. So it's clear that it's not just a statement of authority and superiority, but it's also a dhikr. It's also a, a, an establishment of faith and so on. So when you can see so many different kind of competing uh, wisdoms and reasons and whatever, even though we now can pray without the adhan, I don't want to kind of denigrate it. I don't want people to think, so why should it be obligatory if we can pray just behind apps? Maybe it's got nothing to do with the actual apps and whatever. What about if it's to do with the spiritual impact? What about if it is? What about if I say to you, for example, as we're going to come to at the end of this particular chapter, you know that the one who says the adhan, or rather, sorry, the one who hears the adhan, then it's sooner to make a dua. Allahumma rabba hadihi tamma, as you know. You also know that the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever makes this dua at the end of the adhan, then it becomes obligatory upon me, upon him, my intercession. Okay? This hadith, of course, is very super powerful hadith. We'll be talking about that and its authenticity and its chains and so on. Now think about that for a second. People are stuck on the idea of whether it is obligatory for to hear an adhan because of whether it's time or this or whether it's yani, allowing you to pray correctly or whatever what if i said to you that if the people really knew how desperate they were need in need for intercession if the people knew how desperate they were in the need for intercession and that they actually needed to hear a real adhan then they would actually crawl to hear the real adhan so that they can have the opportunity of making that dua because they know they know that if they don't go to the adhan they play on their phone or they play on their clock or on their computer an artificial one or a recorded one and they repeat the dua after it it's not going to get the same ruling so once you told that and you know that you've got to put in the effort to actually hear it in an established system then you can see that the people are going to want to give the Muslims an opportunity to hear that other. You understand what I'm trying to say? So those are some of my thoughts. Uh, interestingly, interestingly, yani some of the reasons that people think that the other is important is not why it's important. Okay? So people, for example, I don't know if you agree or not, but... You know, I get the idea that people think that the adhan is important so it gives a good kind of nice image of Islam. They hear something really nice and whatever because it's the kind of touristy thing, isn't it? Oh, I went to Tunisia and it was so nice. And I heard, you know, they used to give this lovely call in the morning and whatever, blah, blah. You know, that's the only kind of thing they remember from their visits to Turkey and to Egypt and to Tunisia. Basically, the fact that they heard this call to morning, whatever, and it was hauntingly beautiful and the dulcet tones of the this, that, blah, blah. 
and uh, it can't be Egypt because you can't hear anything in Egypt except like 26,000 adhans going off at one time yeah, and it's the most horrible sound ever and there was a uh, there was a, an interesting um, there was a strictly discussion whether some people should be stopped from making and giving their adhan in order to allow it to become more yani whatever um, could be heard better but then the ulta came out of that yani the, the, the oppressors took it to the next level and they used it as a way of uh, controlling the mosques so they banned all the adhans except the government one which would go through the actual loudspeaker and that happened in Cairo when I was there and I know for a fact that it's, it's there now and that's of course just another form of control yani just oppressors yani dictators just using it to, for control the other thing of course is that I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I, some Muslims, you know, they 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 they, they want to. There's a there's a story which I give in Fiqh Salah. Rashid Rida, Rashid Rida was one of the big 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 scholars, uh, one of the big reform reformist scholars, yani, of the last maybe I don't know, hundred hundred fifty hundred years ago. He gave a story about his father. His father was then in Lebanon, okay, and uh, he said that um, he said that uh, he. Uh, they had a Christian neighbor. The, 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 the Mu'addin, sorry, had a Christian neighbor. And the Mu'addin, he was... Um, <laughs> he was very, very, mashallah. Yani, he had a really beautiful, sweet voice. And he was knocking it out, yani, you know, all the prayers, whatever. And you know, Lebanon is a, is a melting pot. Lots of Jews, lots of Christians and Druze and this and that, whatever. And... Um, uh, so the Muaddin is knocking out this Adhan Then suddenly becomes really ill Really ill And so then uh, he, Someone else had to step in And basically the guy who stepped in was some you know, old miskin yani, Who just basically was like you know, Every time he'd make the Adhan It's like he's pulling a cat through the, yani, the, the bushes And the whole thing was a disaster okay? Literally unlistenable <coughs> so, Anyway that goes on for a while and they can't find the Adhan, they can't get the Mu'adhan back, yani he's like gone, his voice is gone, everything's gone. And so what happens is that the, uh, uh, the neighbor goes to this, uh, he's the Imam who's, uh, who's narrating the story. The, the, imam, the, the neighbor came around to him, he was a Christian neighbor. And he goes to the Imam, I just wanted just to say, you know, I've been wanting to say this for a long time. But I just want to come and I want to thank you, you know, um, thank you, you know, from my heart because I just feel bad. He goes, thank me for what? He goes, for the swapping of the Mu'addin. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, uh, yeah, you've got some new guy now, right? He goes, yeah, 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 our Mu'addin, our original one, he is ill and he's gone and whatever. He goes, yeah, I know. He goes, my wife used to love that guy. She was absolutely obsessed with his voice. And she kept talking about yani, him. She kept talking about Islam and Islam. And I thought she was going to convert. Yani, that's how much she was yani, in love with that guy's voice and what he would say. So now that this old guy's come in and she's not interested anymore. <laughs> she's, she's not interested anymore. So, I mean, this is narrated in Majalat Manar, which is the magazine of uh, Sheikh Rashid Rida. And what's interesting, of course, is that that seems to be almost like a classic, well, 100 years ago, kind of like a scholarly kind of verification of this idea, the public or the populist idea, Muslim populist idea, that we should always have very nice mu'addins yani, in, the, in the streets. But you're going to see my opinion on this yani, at the end of the chapter. It's a pet hate of mine. And you'll see what I believe are the conditions of giving the adhan, whether it's permissible to elongate it, to make it a musical kind of, you know, musical experience and you know all the rest of it so we'll come to that so just very uh, quickly then 
Um, uh, what we'll uh, finish with um, is um, the Prophet Sallallahu And so it is for it is a sha'ir, I mean sha'ir deen. It is a open, it's one of the open rituals from the rituals of Islam. Uh, the sha'ir, not, it's not ritual, what's sha'ir? Signs? Yeah, signs is better than ritual. Yeah, exactly. It's like from the, it's from the signs of Islam, from the indicators of Islam. And there's a great benefit for the people in it, okay? The question is now, is that this obligation, is it one for an individual or is it yani, enough that just communal? Okay, is it yani, that one person has to do it or does everyone have to do it? Let me just explain this concept, okay? There are two types of obligation, two types of fard. And a fard al-ain fard kifaya. Either a fard which is upon every single individual or fard upon anyone who is able to get the job done. And that person is a representative for the Muslims. The one that's representative is called fard kifaya. Okay? A fard kifaya means basically it comes from the word kafa, means that there's sufficient people that were doing it. That, that basically have ticked the box. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in a fard kifaya, he doesn't look to the individual. He just looks to make sure the action got done. As long as someone did the action, we're happy. For example, Salatul Janazah. Someone prayed over the dead guy, then at least that he got a good send-off. It doesn't mean every single person needs to pray, as long as someone prays it. On the, on the other side is fard ain. Ain is very specific. Like the Arabic language, ayyan to this, I, I, I specified this, ta'een. From Yani okay, that when you specify something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here does not care about the action. He doesn't look at the action. He looks at every single person instead. Does every single person do what they have been told to do? It's irrelevant about the action. So Salatul Fajr, Allah doesn't look to Salatul Fajr. He looks to every person. Did they do Salatul Fajr? If they didn't, then they have then broken a fardul ain. So one's very, very yani specific upon everyone. The other one is upon a community. One's called fard kifaya, and one's called fardul ain. What's better? Fardul ain, of course, is better and more important because Allah subhanahu wa taala wants it from everyone. That indicates that it is important. What's the ruling of the adhan and the iqama? Is it then a fard ain upon every single person, or is it sufficient for it to be done by one person in a area? Well, it seems that it is for kifaya, communal, because the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to Malik ibn al-Huwayrith, okay, Malik ibn al-Huwayrith, إِذَا حَضْرَةِ الصَّلَاةُ فَلْيُعَذِّنْ لَكُمْ أَحَدُكُمْ When the prayer, when the prayer, when it's time for the prayer, when it's time for the prayer, then let one of you make the adhan. Then let one of you make the adhan, one of you. He wouldn't have said that if it was obligatory upon the law. Okay, simple as that. Hadith is narrated by Imam Bukhari uh, in Bukhari in Sahih Bukhari in the book of the Adhan, and so therefore uh, it is not uh, obligatory upon everyone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to come to that. Okay, we're going to come to actually what is the ruling again yani specifically for individuals and and so on. Okay, I don't want to don't want to spoil that because it's it's in it's in the next two lines. But in principle, you need to know that uh, when it comes to the individual, it is not obligatory. Okay, I'll I'll say that now anyway, just to save you any thinking about it. It's not obligatory for the individual, but 
it is recommended for the individual. But when it comes to the actual jama'ah, someone needs to do it. And if a person, if, a, uh, 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 if, an, uh, if you are in an area or a town where, which, where there is absolute certainty because it's a Muslim town or there's masajid, etc., etc., that the adhan has been given in that locality, the word balad here means locality, then one does not need to make it. We'll be covering that in detail next week, inshallah. Yes. What was the question? The question was, is that what about for the individual? Is it obligatory or not? And if the individual is... Obligatory? We're going to come to it. We're going to, we're going to cover it in detail, inshallah. Properly, properly, yeah. Okay, so any, any questions, any, any, uh, any points on that? Yes. Can the idama exist without the adama? It can, absolutely. We're going to be covering that next week. And what if someone... Is not giving the adhan. Does that mean that he gets away with the iqama? Does is the iqama more established than the adhan? What about men and women? I was going to do it now, but I'm looking at the time. I'm thinking we're already over, so uh, we're probably not. But for example, men, right? Why did he specify men? Um, well, the reason he specified men is because the adhan is a public call, and in the Sharia, the, the, there was always a discussion whether uh, the voice of a woman, the voice of a woman, was aura or not. And and many, uh, uh, many, I don't know, many, but a significant number of the uh, salaf they used to consider that the voice of the woman is aura. But the aura meaning it should not be displayed. Displayed therefore means heard. But the discussion really comes in, what do they mean by the voices aura? Did it mean that she should not speak in public? Because the evidences overwhelmingly show the opposite, that there were women, that, that there were women speaking and presenting in public in a number of different occasions and so on and so forth. So that's very clear. So what, it's, what there is a broad agreement on, without any difference of opinion as far as I know, is the use of the woman's voice in some kind of soft, sensual, nice way, which can basically play on the heart of a man, because obviously the voice of a woman is a very alluring, a very sensual, <coughs> sexual kind of impact. And so therefore, any public kind of display of her voice is, the, is what is being basically avoided. And if the adhan, if she's going to give the adhan, like you know some of the old school kind of African kind of adhans, you know, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, like that, then maybe we can get away with it. Basically like how uh, Sheikh uh, Sayyid Akhtar, he gives his adhan. Bro, we never forget you, man. Don't worry. We love that smile. Give us a, give us a smile. MashaAllah. So, <laughs> so, um, so if you think about that, okay, um, in principle, the adhan is meant to be nice. It's meant to be long. So, you know, a woman yani, giving it... Anyway, there's consensus, basically, that we don't want women to be calling this in the public, whatever. And so, therefore, you see the focus on men. So, all right, then, it, the scholars will say, if that's the case, and you've basically taken her out of the public realm, what about when she's inside the iqama? Iqama is not a public call, right? And iqama for her own kind of congregation. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at. That's what we're going to be talking about, the different opinions on that as well. What's that mean for men? What's that mean for women? And you'll see my position on that as well, inshallah. Yeah. And you mentioned about the Aqra and Sahih Quran. Yes. Uh, I mean, if we go to Sheikh Muhammad Khalil al-Husri, for example, yes. Allah of Musalli will be on one side. So, I mean, is that like a kind of obligation? No obligation, but is it highly recommended to have that for the, for the person who begins the Salah? Um, 
so the, the, the question is, your, your question is, is that the hadith of let the person lead the prayer who is most akra, most yani best in qira'ah, which I translate as most versed. I said why I translate as most versed, because I think versed in the English language, I think gives the kind of indication that you're scholarly about it. You know what the rulings are, but also you know what's going on. You're not going to be a beginner when it comes to the reciting the sound either. So, you know, does that mean that one, one should give it to someone who recites like Husari? No, because the khilaf yani, is, is that it's not obligatory because as I said to you, the difference of opinion is definitely there. Yani, is it like I'll give you an example. The majority of scholars understood Akra as what? The one who knows most Quran. Good. Alright? That's how generally it's understood. Who's half is who's half is, yeah? And uh, you know, it, it, it is it is not common. It is no 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 not very common. It is absolutely common. <laughs> Yeah, it's it absolutely common to find a hafiz who does not recite anywhere close to as nice as someone who's half the book of Allah or a couple of juz'ah of the book of Allah. Absolutely, you know, I've heard that so many times, so many times. You find some hafiz and would genuinely shocking, shocking tajweed, shocking pronunciation of the letters, etc., etc. So I have always been the, of the opinion that the one who is the, the hafiz is not the one who leads the prayer. I've always been of that opinion. There's also some statements, and they are controversial, frankly, because the evidence base is not there. For example, Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq led the prayer. We know it, in the illness of the Prophet ﷺ, that he led the prayer. I don't know what the evidence is. Frankly, I've never been able to find it. And well, you know, well, I, should, I should do some nice research on that, right? I never actually... You know, I, I never remembered, I never got the time, and I never thought about it when I'm at home. Only when I'm in a class where I think about it. But there seems to be a big position of the scholars that are saying Abu Bakr is not Hafiz. Okay? But I don't know what the evidence for that is. And it's very insulting for me, but it's the position that I believe, and what I've come to hold for a number of years now, from the very beginning of studies, Yani, always heard that from the scholars. I never saw the evidence for it, frankly. Yeah? Uh, but he was not half is, it's not half is, it's not half is. The evidence is indicated, but it's not something direct. And yet he led the prayer. Clearly, he's the most knowledgeable. Clearly, he's the most leading material. So there's a lot more to Akra than people think. Yani, you know, Imam position is a serious position. It's not like, oh, you know, there's a kid, he's a half is putting forward. No, you know, the Imam is someone you've got to have confidence in. I want this guy to lead me, represent me, speak for me. Yani, when he recites, he's just not reciting to get through the prayer. He's reciting because he enjoys the prayer. He recites because he will choose something, Yani, relevant to what you should be hearing in the Maghrib prayer or the Isha prayer, and not just Yani, you know, uh, the shortest one I can get through. It's a lot of responsibility upon the Imam. And if you remember back traditionally, the Imam was a leader of the people as well. Yeah, traditionally speaking, so he was the leader of the people. He was the top man. He was the top dog, Yani. So. It's a big call, Yani. So, no, I, uh, uh, there's a lot of difference of opinion about what are the specific characteristics which, you know, are talking about the top. There's, there's a lot of nonsense at the bottom. There's a lot of nonsense at the bottom. We, I remember when we started studying fiqh uh, back in the 90s, you know, as your students, Yani, you, you get bored very quickly with the important stuff and you always go to the bagua stuff, yes? Right? Because you're never following a logical progression, right? 
So when you start to go on yourself, you start to read books that which interest you, as opposed to read and memorize the books that you're meant to, right? I remember picking up يعني, the book which uh, uh, shows the conditions, uh, the conditions of the, <laughs> the conditions, not the conditions, the um, levels. levels, yeah. The levels required in order to choose the one who should lead the prayer. Okay, in the Hanafi Madhab. In the Hanafi Madhab, if you read that list, yeah, it's an 18 certificate, I'm telling you now. <laughs> because it starts off all nice and lovely at the, at the top. Whoever's Aqra' fi kitabillah, that's all lovely. But then if they're the same, then it gets down to yani Sunnah. And then if it gets the same, then it's knowledge. And if it's the same, who's got the most yani general knowledge? If it's the same, who made Hijrah first? If it's the same, then it's who's oldest. And if it's the same, then it starts getting silly. <laughs> then it's the big, big, big beard. It's there. It's got longest beard. Whatever. After the beard, there's some crazy behavior going on now. This man. I was like, what the heck is this? Yara? What the heck is this? So, so you know, the whole list has a lot of discussion. It's all about how to establish that this is the guy that I feel super confident behind. <laughs> oh my goodness, you brought the memories back, man. The good old nineties. Haji. You're going to get us big trouble now. No, it's allowed. It's allowed. Uh, the sheikhs asked uh, about yani, the uh, women. Can women lead other women in the prayer? And uh, uh, the answer is that uh, there's a, there is a difference of opinion on this. Malik, for example, he did not accept the women's congregational prayer. Yani by themselves. And there's much discussion. But yes, my position is that a woman can lead the female congregation you know, uh, uh, by themselves, etc., etc. Uh, yes, I've lost it. Online? Yes, online. You said there is a technical and uh, literal definition of words in Islam, but how to explain these to a layman who does not understand this difference? I don't think it's for laymen. You are, the question, speak louder next time, Yanni, so that I don't have to repeat the question again. The question was, is that there's a, uh, this whole technical definition and linguistic definition. How do you explain that to a layman? Okay? Yanni, you know what I said. My answer is that you're not meant to explain it to a layman. Layman doesn't care what's linguistic and whatever. He just yani, he wants to know, what the, what the, you know what the, how to pray. I told you that point to, significant, to specifically confuse the troublemaker because he doesn't know what's going on. So it, 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 this has no function other than for the student of knowledge, really. Do you have to repeat the adhan when it plays on a device? And another question linked to this. Since there is that, no, that, that, that question will come later. That's not for now. Since there is no proper adhan, do we get the same reward listening to a radio uh, Well, again, we'll come to that later. That's not for now. That's it. Yes, it was it. Um, yeah, you were saying about choosing the uh, imam. And you can't put a, some kind of political dimension to it, as in, you know, feeling comfortable in, in the person actually leading. Yes, yes, very important. Number of a hadith that show that a people's confidence and happiness with the imam is very important. Very important. We have a full section on that, by the way. The conditions of the imam Etiani. Lots of fun, that will be. But that's, that's a, is that a difference of, obviously that's a difference of opinion, yeah? On the exact characteristics, yes. But there are certain facts. There are certain facts to go by. For example, we know Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam once told someone who was ordered to lead the prayer. 
We, for example, we know for a fact that someone knew Surah Al-Baqarah and he was told to lead the prayer. So there is definitely a weight towards age. There is definitely a weight towards knowing more Quran. We know that the uh, uh, the people who led the prayer one after the other were the Khulafa al-Rashidin, political power. Okay. Uh, we know the Hadith Prophet that the people, the, 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 the one that should lead the prayer, the one who should be the Imam should be the ones that people are happy with. I'll come to that as well. So the, there's so many factors that shape this list. Okay, but they differ over what's most important. What is, what is, what, what's that mean? That mean, I really shouldn't have, shouldn't have mentioned that, should I? We're, like, we're months yani, away from that and we just kind of whetted everyone's appetite on something which is completely out of this section. But that's how we like it, yada. We like to have a little bit of dessert, innit? Bobby Jane, you dessert? I don't want. Right, uh, Issa, yeah? Um, you know, you're talking about the drops. Um, so what's actually the temperature that... It's not based upon temperature. And you saw, actually, the hadith that I mentioned. And we'll come to Ibrad in its right time. The Prophet Sallallahu the, the, the Mu'addin kept coming back. Now, Ya Rasulullah. Should we now, Ya Rasulullah? And the Prophet Sallallahu said, kept saying, no, no, not yet, not yet. Let it get cooler, let it get cooler. Yeah, and let the sun come down. And then... Finally, when it came down so low, and by so low, okay, that the shadows now had proper started to form from the hills, then he prayed. What is that? In time-wise, it's impossible. No scholar on the planet will ever be able to say to you, it was this much after, after the beginning of the prayer. I will say to you, you're looking in the region of around an hour, maybe two, you know, something like that, if there's a three, four hour gap between Dhuhr and Asr. If it's only a couple of hours, then it'd be less. But you're looking at that kind of time gap. It's very difficult to be able to initially had issue. How much time? Hour? 45 minutes? It's no point, you know, I, 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 I mean, just for the time, I shouldn't be talking about it, but I remember one, some scholars saying that we do Ibrad in our country, they said. I said, okay, by how much? By half an hour. I said, what difference was there after half an hour? I died when I went out at, before half an hour. I died when I went out after half an hour. What was the point of your Ibrad in Aslan? It's the only white hot. It was the... Yeah, and it, there's got to be a real change. We want to see a change in color. We want to see a drop in the heat. We want to see, you know, at least a, at least a five, ten degree, twelve degree drop that's noticeable, so that you don't die. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's felt that, man. So in Mecca, they don't observe. They don't. They don't. They absolutely don't. Every single Haji and Umar and Mu'tamir knows that as a fact. Would you say? Would be more responsible of them, not of them. Well, well uh, to, do, to, to, to do Ibrad, would it be more responsible of the authorities to establish Ibrad only if it is indeed a Islam? There is a controversy over it, you see. That's why I said, that's why I, I said it like Sheikh Uthameen said. He actually said, okay, he goes, and if it is actually legislated, so he puts that little bit of doubt in, to actually delay the prayer to make it cool and the dhuhr to be delayed, then the adhan would also be then delayed and it didn't, therefore it wouldn't be indicated in the beginning of the time, as happened in the sahih. I don't want to tell you his ruling because it's a detailed discussion. But absolutely, if one would take it, then they should apply it. Uh, I heard, and I, I, I do need to make that, I'll be, inshallah, when I go next year, I want, this is one of the things I want to find out properly and I want to go and do, you know, I want to have a proper visit and get all the hookups here and it's all the imams and that, that, whatever. I haven't had one of those. But anyway, I want to find out whether they actually do do it. I, heard, I have heard that they do do it. Okay? 
and that they do accept it. Because the humbly madhab in principle, I'm just going to spill the beans, the humbly madhab accepts it. Okay? My problem with their accepting of it is that they set it at half an hour. I'm saying to you, bro, half an hour does jack diddly squat. It does absolute squat. Half an hour. And like, it's not like the Asr is starting in another half hour, then you say that makes sense. There's like another three hours until Asr. So, make it one and a half hours and save us, Yani. But you know, I need to get a visa so I'm not going to say no more. <laughs> Come on, Bobby J. All right, boys. Zakmullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallah wa alhamdulillah. Ashadu an la ilaha anta wa sallam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.